Hello, lovelies. Welcome to the Fat Joy Podcast, where we talk each week about how to flourish in an anti-fat world. I'm Sophia, a fat person and professional coach who loves talking to other fat people about what it's like to live within oppressive systems that marginalize our bodies and how we still dare to have the audacity and courage to reach towards our collective liberation and embrace our joy. Please know this is an adult content podcast, so there will be swears. We will be talking about harms we've experienced, and we will be rebelling against diet culture, anti-fatness, ableism, racism, etc. If you'd like to support the Fat Joy podcast and get bonus content as a thank you, please check us out at patreon.com fatjoy. I am so glad you're here with us. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fat Joy podcast. I'm Sophia, of course, and with me is Pam Luck, who I was saying before we started recording, Pam, that you've been on my list for like a year of people I wanted to talk to. I've been wanting to talk to you about your business, Ember and Ace, and yeah, because it's pretty unique. I don't know if it's the only, we're going to get into all of that, but it's certainly what you do was not around when I was a child. I would loved for it to have been around when I was a child. Um, so why don't you start by telling us a little bit about you? Yes, my name is Pam Luck, and I have been plus size my entire life. I mean, I think you can see signs of like it in second grade, but then when puberty hits, like, yep, here we are. Okay, fifth grade. <laughs> We're going to be plus size. And I loved sports and dance. I played soccer, aka football. From like elementary school all through high school. And I danced tap, jazz, and ballet. And by the time I got to high school, I struggled to find athletic wear that fit. I'm very old. So this was back before internet shopping. And I had to go to a sporting goods store to try and find soccer gear. I was a goalkeeper. I started as a defender, but then became a goalkeeper, I think, the last two years. And so I'm in the men's section, you know, trying to find something that's going to fit. Which is super fun, by the way, being in the men's section when you're 17. It's great. And so they had, you know, an extra large or maybe a 2X. And it's always like it doesn't fit quite right. And of course, the sleeves are too long and the pants are too long. And we all do that thing where you like tuck your arms in and like stretch out the chest. Yes. That's so universal. I just realized in this moment. <laughs> that was really tough. And obviously leotards for dancers. Like, So I, I quit, you know, both of those things. I did do African dance actually in college, which I loved. But my tap jazz and daily, ballet days were behind me. So fast forward, I have a daughter now who's 14 and she's in a bigger body and she loves dance and we're struggling with leotards all over again. And it's been like 30 years yeah. since I was like in high school or more, a little more. I think we're about the same age because I also say I am very old. Um. <laughs> I turned 50 last year. So I feel like, I'm, oh, thank you. I'm fine with it. I joke about it. I don't care. Gen X all the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm like, it's been more than 30 years. How is this still a problem? Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of what got me to start the business, Embernice, which is athletic wear exclusively for plus-size kids. Mm -hmm. And when was that? When did you start it? Brilliant, lucky me. I really decided to go sort of all in on this in like January of 2020. I mean, why wouldn't you? That's a great time to start a business based off children playing in-person sports. <laughs> and being outside and like on teams and going to yeah, going to after-school programs. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, it just is what it is. I think there's so many people that have stories about, you know, and so it's been a very long, slow journey um, because for all the reasons you can imagine. Um, I'm just now got my first production run delivered, which we can talk a little bit more about. But yeah, so... Um, it's been a long time, but it feels like I have not, I don't know. Well, the first, the pandemic year, like, it's just everybody, we all blanked out. Like, I don't even remember it. It's like, but since then, it's been moving to, you know, get this first production run of our first collection. So, yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Wow. And your background, you have a, like, 
can I ask an impertinent question? Of course. Okay, which is that? <laughs> that's, that's my coaching way of saying, I'm going to say something weird and it may not make sense and you can like fix it, which is that what about your background had you feel like, oh, I can start a clothing company? So it's kind of impertinent, right? Yeah, okay, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and I will be honest, it's one of the reasons that I, I really, I had the idea for a while and I kept saying, you can't do this. You can't, like... You have no design background. You have no manufacturing background. I will say, I am a certified PMP, project management professional. I have done project management for more than 20 years of my life. And so that is an invaluable skill set for what I'm trying to do here. But on paper, it's like you do not know what you're doing. And I don't know why you thought you could do this. But I just was like, no one's doing anything. And how has nothing changed in 30 years? And how has nothing changed in this many years? And, you know, a lot of times when you're reading about starting a business or entrepreneurship, they're like, look, you have to be passionate about it because when you run up against um, the pandemic or things of that, like any sort of obstacles or challenges, if you don't think that this is super important and this is something you're so connected to, you're going to be like that. It's too hard. And there's been moments on this journey where I'm like, this is too hard. But, you know, you sort of like, I'm going to go cry in the corner for a minute. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I'm going to reset and come back tomorrow because I think that's partly why I ended up doing it. And all the rest of it is really just about being humble enough to know what you don't know and ask for help. And I'm so good at finding people that are good at like finding a pattern maker or even here in in the Bay Area, they run entrepreneurship classes and they have a fashion track so they can, because part of it is you don't have insight into the industry. And so even just understanding, learning the vocabulary, every industry has a vocabulary. So learning the vocabulary, learning how to move through those spaces and even just, you have to sound like you have a certain level of knowledge just to send emails and ask about things like fabric and patterns. But you can learn it and you can find people consultants and things that will help you. And so it doesn't make a ton of sense and it's probably a slower path than if I were able to do a lot of these things myself, but this is where we are. And so just sort of keep plugging. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. I have so many questions, but I'm going to first ask about your relationship to the word fat. You mentioned that you were a plus size kid. Like say a little more, like when you talk about being a plus size dancer, like was that okay? I mean, aside from clothing, like, did you feel very self-conscious about your body? Were there things said? Like, what was, what's been your journey with this word fat? Yeah. And I will say there's sort of a personal answer and a professional answer. And oh. you get both. Um, okay, good. <laughs> I personally have reclaimed the word fat for myself. Because I think I, like a lot of people who have done so much work themselves to get into a better space, because you'll not be shocked to hear that I struggle with my body. And a lot of that was external pressures, obviously, right, Um, around what your body should look like. And so I have worked hard to sort of get my house in order, is what I like to say, around my own body. And reclaiming the word fat is part of that. Um, Because... I want us to get to that space where it's really just a neutral descriptor of tissue on your body. It's not all the other things that people try to hang off of it. Um, But that's also been, you know, a journey. It was not so long ago when, you know, my daughter was little and one of her friends came running up to me at the school and was like, you're fat. And there's still sort of like a moment where you're like a twinge. (laughs) I'm like, yep, let's go say hi to your mom. (laughs) So I'm I'm in a much better place myself. Um, but I did obviously grow up, you know, I was a kid of the 80s. So there was not a lot of plus size clothing. It was not for dance in particular. I was the only girl in a bigger body in my class. And it was, I've been to dance classes. I remember in college, because um, I danced with an African dance ensemble in college and I loved it. Um, it was one of the only sort of styles of dance that didn't care what size my body was. But we went to a dance festival and they had all kinds of classes throughout the day. So we all went to the ballet warm-up. And I have never been so thoroughly ignored in my whole entire life than that ballet warm-up. Well, like, just like, like as if you're not even there. It's like I'm not even there because a lot of times they'll just, they'll walk through the room and give correction or just give comments like, yes, and reach and good or 
lower your arm, lower your shoulder, pull up. Nothing. Nothing. It's like I was like invisible. Part of it is I just want to start making face. Hello. Well, no kidding. Yeah, that's horrible. So it's been a journey. And I will say there's still good days, bad days. You know, I think what I'm trying to, you know, help my daughter understand is in all things, it's just it's it's a practice and good days, bad days and sort of just coming back to a better place. And the good days don't last forever, but the bad days don't last forever either. But um, so I do use the word fat um, and I do invite people to use that word when they speak to me. I will use it myself. I thought a lot about it for my business. Yeah. And I decided not to because my business is targeted at tweens and teens. And I feel even with adults, you have to claim that word for you, reclaim that word for yourself. Like first. First. Because I feel like what's going to happen is there's almost going to be like a shutdown that happens. I feel like for a lot of kids, like you're trying to manage so much and they're still getting a lot of the messages that I got growing up around their bodies. And so, and that word is still used, people are using it to as a weapon, right? To hurt you. That's really what is still happening. And so I didn't want it to become the word that sort of hung everybody up on what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Or even like, further I can imagine like even further traumatizing kids like oh okay I have to go get the clothes from the fat store and like just there's probably a shame around that for kids still like they don't know enough yet and they're so indoctrinated surrounded by anti-fatness like it's their journey just like we had to go through ours I guess exactly so and I'm like what word can we use and I think the plus size industry is sort of coalesced around plus size. They even use it for males. I think there's a um, a model competition and, or, you know, that they use plus size for male categories and for children. It's not like, you remember like the word husky, like that's terrible. <laughs> I remember husky. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. And like curvy is like a whole adult weird thing. I'm like, that doesn't work. So it's, Plus size is where I landed um, because I do I do want people to be able to find us, right? And so that's sort of where I've landed. But yeah, it's, it's a word that I feel like people sort of, we haven't come far enough along in sort of neutralizing the word fat that I, I still feel like people need to come to it first on their own. And so that's where I've sort of professionally made the choice to not use that word on my website and any of the other things that we do. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious with your daughter, is it, do you use the phrase plus size? Does she know about the word fat? Like, how does that work with her? Because she's right in it as she's a teen. Yeah, she's 14. It's, it's an area that I feel like I'm still sort of figuring out. I don't know if you have like 14 year olds in your life, but I actually have a 14 year old stepdaughter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah um it sometimes feels like I'm talking to myself oh my god thank you for saying that because I'm always like is it just me is it just us like yeah she lives and then I remember what I was like when I was 14 and I basically wanted nothing to do with my family at all <laughs> yeah and so I try to like it's this like I think of it more as like a lot of small opportunities over a large number of days versus these really sitting down and I'm having these really complex conversations and I'm trying to be mindful of the kinds of like media and stuff that we put in front of her and the kind of bodies that she sees um you know and so even the things that we talk about like she was asking me how much she weighed and I'm like I don't know I don't have a scale in the house I mean we're we're going to get your checkup I said but you know weight is one of those things that changes it goes up it goes down it's sort of not really indicative of much Um, And then I'm like, is there a reason that you're asking? Is there something that you wanted to talk about? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Every person who has a teen is like, yeah. (laughs) But I mean, I feel like I'm I'm trying in those moments to at least leave like little like crumbs. I think stuff gets through. I had a really great um, podcast conversation with Virginia Soul Smith, whose book is coming out, Fat Chat, Parenting in the Age of Diet Culture. And like, it's one of the things she talked a lot about. She goes, look, you know, like these, like you said, these little moments where you kind of have conversations that a lot more of them are getting through than we think. And I, I think that's true. I've been 
thoroughly anti-diet brainwashing my stepchildren for four years now, because that's how long they've been in my life. And um, it is getting through. Like there are little things where the 12 year old, they had some kind of health sheet that they had to do that had something about health and food. And his his name is Phoenix. And Phoenix was like, one of the questions had, I think was a bad question. I'm like, oh, what do you mean? Why, why was it a bad question? He said, well, it was asking about how do we feel when we eat bad food? And I was like, because he's heard me say a million times, there's no such thing as bad food, good food. You just connect to your tummy. What does your body want? And I was, I had one of those moments. I was like, oh, four years of brainwashing is working. Like to go the other way, to have them connect to food differently and their bodies differently. So I think it gets in. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that, I mean, I think a lot of people are like, there's, you feel like your kids are away from you so much of the day, right? There's so many other influences in their life, whether it be media, social media, school, um, friends, whatever activities you're involved, coaches, teachers. Um, and it can feel like you're like, you know, running uphill to try and like get out in front of all these other influences. But I do think at the end of the day, you are able to sort of hold center and um, have a strong influence on sort of how they approach these things and see these things. And, and that's why I'm so adamant with people about the first thing you can do in particular, if you're struggling is just how do you talk about your own body in front of your children? I was just going to say you're modeling it, you know, how you are with your body constantly. Yeah, that makes, I, I love all of what you're saying. It makes so much sense about why you've chosen plus size and that will, I, I am glad there is a word that can draw people to you that we kind of, there is something that has been, that we're coalescing around, especially for kids. Okay, so where should we start with Ember and Ace? Like, where do you want to drop us in? Is it the Kickstarter? Is it like before that? Like, what? was the kind of like, fuck it, I'm doing it moment. Like, was there a moment and you're just like, I'm in, I got to do it. A lot of women, I will say not all, but a lot of women when they get to sort of the age that I'm at, maybe in your mid to late forties and moving up to your fifties and you're really drawn to doing work that matters. And I think you'll see data that backs this up all over the place. And a lot of it's like, you've gotten maybe through some of the rough early years. You've paid off some of your student debt if you're lucky. Maybe you've got your kids to a point where you feel like you've got some breathing space a little bit. You know, you're not quite so hands-on and you're like, what do I want? And so doing something that was impactful was a big piece of what I wanted to do. And this is something that no one is solving. And so, you know, I just sort of looked at my husband and I said, look, it's got to be now because I've done the corporate thing and I've worked for someone else for so many years and, you know, did all of the sort of safer choices and got us through, you know, some of those trickier adult points, um, buying your first house, getting your kids to, you know, a reasonable school age, all the things, right? So I said, if I don't do this now, I feel like I'm, the window's going to close at some point. And so my husband's fantastic and it's been nothing but supportive. So we just were like, okay, we're doing it. That's it. Yeah. I love it. Wow. Yeah. And now I'm like, well, that was okay. Now I'm really, now I'm really having to do this thing because we're doing it. We're doing it. We said, we stamped it. No erases. <laughs> uh huh. And then you started. So how did you start? Did you put messages out there? Did you start to get responses from people? I decided to really just sort of like the biggest thing was how do I how do I make these clothes? How do I find, make patterns and styles that are going to fit these kids? And it's one of the challenging things, like for people that don't have a background in fashion, a lot of what you do when you're trying to design a new line, when you're working with a pattern maker, you find something that exists already, right? And you take it and you say, okay, you see this blouse, I like this blouse, but we're going to make it you know, we're going to change the sleeve, we're going to change the cuff, we're going to change the collar, but you tend to like find a brand that does sizing in a way that works for you, where you want to be. You're like, they're doing sizing that I think is close to where I want to be, but we're going to do this different stylistically, but you have a starting point. And for me, it was like, there are a few people that go up to like a 2X, a children's double extra large, a few brands that do it. There's very few that go above like that 2X 1820 for kids. So I had to go out and 
buy the biggest kid sizes I could find. And then I'm like, well, let me also get a women's double extra large and see where that sort of falls. And then let me get a men's extra large and like bring together. It's like a Venn diagram of all these different sizes. I call it like, I'm trying to make my Franken shorts. Like, I'm yeah. little, like <laughs> because there are elements of each of those things that work. Like I want the longer inseam because I don't know if you've ever seen the short, the inseam on girls shorts is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Like so short. It's like two inches or less on the inseam and boys get like five inches and seven inches. And I'm like, so it was really like I had to pull all of these different things together and sort of try to work through getting the fit right. And it's, it's tough. I mean, cause bodies are very different. And, you know, I think one of the things that I, I found that I'm trying to address is the gap between sort of, there's not a bigger kids plus size. And then before you get to adult sizes. And so I think particularly for kids that are, you know, that like 10 to 15-ish range, you're still sort of very, I call it tree trunky. So the difference in your chest, waist, and hip measurement is not that extensive. It's not the big sort of hourglass that you tend to start to see a little bit more or pairs or whatever you want to call them, all the terrible <laughs> words we used to describe um, shapes, but it's not the inverted triangles and all those things. So it was really about... So again, taking the shorts and saying it's too big through the hip, we need to bring those measurements closer in alignment, but we also need to upsize everything because, you know, an extra large isn't that big. Um, and so just working through iterations of that for everything. Wow. And were you, are you a, a what's the word, a sewer, a seamstress? Seam, a like sewist or a seamstress? Absolutely not, because I wanted this to be even harder. <laughs> it's one of my biggest regrets. My mother sews... I didn't learn. That was a terrible decision. <laughs> oh, no. And my mother lives on the opposite coast, so I couldn't just like run to my mom's house and be like, just bang this out for me real quick. So, no, I don't. And so I'm a ter- I'm the worst person to do this in the entire world, but here we are. <laughs> so, no, I had to like work through iterations of this and try to land on a fit. And like for T-shirts, again... I want it to, we don't want to go to adult size because that's going to be like six inches too long. It's going to hang to your knees. The sh- the sleeves will get to your elbows on a short sleeve because they're too long. They're expecting you to be like five, seven or, high, or taller. Um, so it's trying to get the proportions right on all these pieces. And so, you know, we're I'm hopeful with the first collection that we've done pretty well. And I intentionally chose to do all fabrics and pieces that had stretch. So joggers, leggings, shorts, and a t-shirt because knits are more forgiving. Like I didn't start with like a school uniform woven pant because that's more complicated. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Like, cause are you only going to focus on athletic wear? Or are you actually looking to expand as well? I am starting with athletic wear and that was an intentional choice because I feel like the choice to be an athlete gets taken from you in a lot of ways when you're a, a plus size kid because the uniforms don't fit or you can't find stuff to wear to soccer practice or to basketball practice. And so. Oh, how shitty is that? Like, I just, it's so heartbreaking. Because I don't think we even realize what you're taking away from these children. Movement should be joyful and it shouldn't be about torturing yourself into making your body smaller for starters. Um, you absolutely can be an athlete and be very good at the sport that you play or dance or karate or martial arts or whatever it is in a bigger body. I was a great tap dancer. I was a pretty good soccer player. And so, and these kids love these things. This is activities that they love. And you're well, saying friends and team. And then it's like, no, you can't because we can't find a piece of fabric to wrap around your body. I mean, it just is ludicrous. And to your point, the friend thing is a big piece of this puzzle. You're going to isolate these kids because they're not playing with their friends anymore. So the athletic wear choice was intentional. Um, And I think part of it is I just want to hear from people around what do you need? I mean, I know some people do slightly larger school uniforms, but if we need to figure it out, we'll figure it out. I mean, I'm going to do a woven pant probably eventually anyway because I'll get into hiking pants, which are, they have some stretch, but they're not like you know, a lot of the pieces that I'm working with already. But I want to just hear from folks, like, because my goal is I want these kids to thrive. And so whatever that looks like end to end, let's try to, you know, let's try to get that. Because these kids don't, shouldn't have to worry about 
what they put on every day and whether or not they're going to have something to put on every day. And I am just thinking about that moment when a kid realizes that their body is stopping them from doing something they really want to do. Like that's one of those early moments that sticks with, like I have moments like that, that I remember because I was a swimmer and a soccer player and, uh, Back, so for me, I remember when I sized out of, uh, do you remember Umbra shorts? That was, those were like I my stuff. I loved them. Umbras. Yes. I loved my Umbras and would wear like biker shorts underneath, like tight, like spandex shorts underneath. And that was like the soccer uniform. It was 100% the look. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> that and like doctor scrubs. I feel like those were the things that I wore. I guess I've always liked comfort. But yeah, I'm just imagining like a 12 year old kid, like not being able to get the team hoodie or be part of a team. And suddenly like that moment that they carry with them forever of, oh, there's something wrong with my body that I can't do this thing I really want to do. Like I does, it's just heart. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking and there's no need for it. Yeah. I mean, because that's absolutely the message. The message is you don't belong here or I don't believe that you do these things because your body is so big, right? Yes, yes. Or you shouldn't do these things because your body is so big. Yeah. 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 And I think the other thing is I think a lot of parents don't realize um, because if I was a kid, I would not say it's because I can't find clothes or the uniforms that fit. I'm just going to say I don't want to do that anymore. Right. So if there's even were a chance for your parents to advocate for you, they don't necessarily know. I'm not telling my mom that at like 14, right? You're like, that's just a really hard, even if you're like sort of on that journey and trying to be in a good place about it, that's a very big step to sort of be able to say the uniform doesn't fit. Oh, it's so vulnerable. I think I'd find it vulnerable even now. Like, you know, actually, I will say, even now, even as someone who's done so much work around this, I'm part of um, one of the organizations I work for has like all the swag and they have like hoodies. And I'm like, I bet you they don't have my size. And I, I think I probably need to do some work with my coach or my therapist about saying something about that because I know they don't. And yeah, so if I were ever to gather in person and it was expected, we're all where they, you know, they want to send us whatever size or it would send us the, it's hoodies. So send us the hoodie, then yeah, like that's so vulnerable. Just had this, by the way. I just had this. We, I volunteer for an organization and they're like, yeah, we have these um, fleece vests. Everybody, we're going to drop them in the room. Just let me know what size you, you need. Um, and, you know, for the, for reference, I'm sort of like a mid-fat, so I'm a 2X on top, 3X on bottom, most things, right? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to tell them a 2X. We're going to see where this goes. Because the other thing is, I sometimes will size up for like stuff that's supposed to be like a layery thing. Like for a fleece vest, I might actually go to a 3X just because it's not like a shirt. Anyway, so I asked for a 2X and um, shockingly, they didn't have anything above an extra large. Not an, not even a double XL. Like just. So I'm like, that's fine. Just leave it. Just I'm like, it's go good. I'm, I'm. It's fine. Thank you. And so of course they couldn't just let it be. They're like, well, you know, it's a men's extra large, so maybe give it a try. And I'm just like, you couldn't just leave it, right? You couldn't just let me not have to <laughs> dig deeper and tell you. I assumed that it was probably going to be either men's or unisex sizing. And I still need a 2X for men's or unisex sizing. So no, thank you. I'm like, just take the no. Just take the no. Oh, see, this doesn't go away. Yeah. And at least as adults, we can talk about it, process it, bitch, moan, complain about it. But kids just have to, most likely, they don't know how to do that quite yet. And so they just kind of sit in the shame. Yeah. And so it's just, yeah. So I want these kids to keep doing the things that they love. And, you know, it's mostly about those kids. But I will also say, like, I think it's good for thin kids to see kids in bigger bodies also doing these things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so as you have started this endeavor, started building a company, um, tell us about, because you, you shared a little bit of, of this with me before we start recording 
you wanted to add photos to your website. <laughs> <laughs> what happened there, Pam? <laughs> this is all of the like unexpected, but why was it unexpected? Um, sort of things that you sort of like, I feel like it's taken me forever to sort of get to this place where I, you know, have a business and I have a website and social media and all those things because a lot of times when you're starting, you start with what's called stock photography. So that's photographs that have been made and paid for by a photographer and then they resell to you so that you don't have to go out and hire a model and photography to do a whole shoot of your own. So it's a very affordable way to sort of get photo content for your site, for your social media feeds and all those kinds of things. So there's, you know, a few different large providers um, that do stock photography. So I'm trying to find photos of plus size kids, fat kids, kids in bigger bodies, all the things. And the photos are basically terrible. It's plus size kids eating donuts or eating French fries or eating hamburgers or being measured or being weighed or looking miserable and holding their fat at their waist and frowning. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, nothing. Oh. There's really, I mean, I, I found a few, but like this is me spending hours across four or five different providers of stock photography. And I'm like, first of all, that poor kid, oh, there's one with the kids wearing clothing that's obviously like two sizes too small for him. First, I feel terrible for all these children that are in these model shoots. And then I'm like, and you wonder why everyone has these ideas around people in bigger bodies. Because, I mean, I can't imagine we're starting to see improvements for adults, but a lot of the stock photography for, for fat and plus size adults is the, just as terrible. It is. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where you're like, anyone else who wasn't working with kids in bigger bodies would have so much to choose from. If you want to see a kid playing outside or playing on the playground or playing soccer or basketball or dancing, those pictures you can find for thin kids all over the place. Yeah. You can and, have as and many probably as you diversity like. as well. Probably yes. lots of BIPOC, lots of, because that we're doing better at that, but still not with different size bodies. And then when it was time to start fit testing, so you make your first round of clothing in one size and you fit test it and try to figure out how do we do? I'm saying this pair of shorts is going to fit a kid with this size waist, this size hip. Did I come close to that? So fit testing is one of the first things you do on an actual human being once you have something made. Um, and there are fit models all over and you can usually find them. Um, all, and I live on the West Coast, and so that's usually not an issue. Couldn't find anybody here. None of the agencies could find me a plus-size kid. I tried to work with agencies in LA, which is a much bigger industry. Obviously, it's the industry hub on the West Coast. Um, and asking, you know, for a, a true plus-size kid, here are the measurements and sizes I'm looking for. I need this kid to wear a, a children's 2XL. Here's the waist-hip range that I'm looking for. And it was like, how about a size 810? I'm like, mm. Mm -hmm. Oh my nope. gosh. It's like a medium. What are you doing? Wow. And so I couldn't find fit models. <sighs> okay. It's just so many layers, Pam. It's so many layers of anti-fatness. I like all on top of each other. I'm amazed you kept going. You're, you're a hero. <laughs> it's just. Well, and I mean, and working with kids is one of the toughest markets because they grow so fast. But I mean, that's like a lot of the choices that I made, like on the joggers, they have a cuff at the bottom. Cause I'm like, if you have to size up, but you haven't like maybe grown, I'm trying to like keep stuff from dragging on the floor because I also, since I don't sew, they're not getting hemmed. <laughs> so like yeah. anything that's got a sleeve cuff or a pant leg cuff is going to save me having to try and hem this thing on you. So yeah, kids, yeah, kids is rough. Um, but I'm like, it doesn't matter. Somebody has to figure it out. Yeah. So what did you end up doing with the fit models? Did you end up finding some children? <laughs> um, I ended up making my daughter sort of be more involved than I may have liked. I'm very protective of her in general. And I think I'm very protective of all these kids, but obviously very protective of my own. But so I did use my daughter um, for fit testing. But I was, you know, the thing is that 
because of the pandemic and because of supply chain issues and all oh, of the right. things. right. I forgot about supply chain issues too. It just took so much longer to get through these rounds of fit than I think it would have. And like I said, I can't sew anything. So somebody has to sew them for me and then they get sent back and then we test it out and then I give you all my changes and then we go through a couple of rounds of that. So I think by the time from start to like getting through like the third round of fit, I think maybe six to eight months have passed. And my daughter is like growing taller. I'm like, so now you're like, it's going to fit you, but in my mind, I think it's going to be like you're on the high end of this size range, so it's not going to be an ideal fit. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, I mean, that's why I'm like very excited to, you know, finally have product and to get this out into the world and let people try it and just keep, you know, sharing feedback about where we need to sort of make some changes and things like that. But there's been moments where I'm like... <laughs> If we don't like get this out in the world soon, like uh, she's gonna be <laughs> so tall. And, she's like, gonna be in her twenties and being like, "Mom, <laughs> she's gonna be on her way to college." Going, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so you have so your the first shipment of clothing. Did you say I think came in the first production run? Yes, is finally done and ready. Amazing. Yeah. So now what happens? Now I sell the clothing and the people give me feedback. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. It's really about like, I want people to try it out and let me know what's working and, and what we need. You know, it's, it's, I want there to be, you know, a dialogue and it's never going to be perfect on every single body, but the goal is, can I hit the majority and look, my daughter will be the first one to take a t-shirt and make it a crop top if that's what she wants. So I'm like, <laughs> you can always do your own thing. And yeah, and then it's really about where do we go next? Like, I obviously would love to do dancewear. I know folks are probably interested in swimwear as well. Oh, yeah. And I think leotards and bathing suits, particularly at least for, you know, for girls are very, but like for swim shorts or trunks, I have a, a athletic short that we can start from so I feel like it's dancewear and swimwear but I'm gonna wait and see what folks have to say yeah oh that's great yeah are you aware of like the latest the American Association of Pediatrics guideline uh, yeah your face says yes um yes <laughs> so curious your thoughts especially because you're creating clothing for kids so that they can connect and you know, perhaps find neutrality or acceptance with their bodies. And then those guidelines, for those of you who don't know, it is horrific. I really want to do like a, a deep dive with a guest on this, but basically go and read them. It, it essentially, I'll, I'll just, I'll show the parts that like are, oh, see, I don't even have words because it's so horrific. Basically they say children as young as two should be weight monitored, possibly even experience restriction if they are above, you know, the, the, you know, children's equivalent of BMI measurements, which we know is bullshit. Uh, and then kids as young as 13 are now eligible and should get bariatric surgeries, which is beyond horrific. I can't, I can't even, I, I just can't. The doctors are now getting all this stuff. Of course, it's all motivated by Novo Nordisk, who has promised to make like $25 billion for their shareholders by 2025, and they are the architects of all of this. So, okay, Pam, I'm rant over on my end. Your turn. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been rough. I think it's a total reversal of what they said, I think, in 2016 with the recommendations that they made, which is... I'm like, so what's the driver here? Well, we know sort of what the driver is. I think to, you know, build all these recommendations around BMI, which has been repeatedly been shown to be just trash. And to sort of hang all of your markers of health around weight, I think is the biggest piece of this that's really, really difficult is that they use weight as the main driver for sort of making determinants about the health of a body. And it completely that for me misses the mark. It's just, it's been hard because I'm also, I have a child and, you know, how am I navigating the appointments and things? So I, I picked up the executive summary to try and read through it and I got partway through it. And then I'm like, I just, I have to protect my peace a little bit here and sort of, so I focused more on navigating this for myself and my own family. And 
I'm just, I don't understand how we can use weight as the determinant of health in a body. And that's just sort of where I, I get really hung up. Yeah. Especially because we know better, we know differently. It's been proven for, as as Reagan Chastain says, it's been proven for a hundred years of research that weight and health are not connected. So like, why the fuck do we keep doing it? And the the, the inability to be successful long-term with weight loss as well. So the fact that they're trying to turn it into, what do they call it, a relapsing, remitting condition, the weight cycling? I'm like, just stop. Just stop. And it's one of those like strange things where I'm like, I want children to move their bodies because I do know that it's good for their health, even if their weight doesn't go in any direction whatsoever. That's where I need everybody to sort of see and understand, right? All the amazing things that happen in your body when you move your body that have absolutely nothing to do with the, changing the size of your body at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's just been, it's been a rough couple of weeks. Yeah. Have you received like trolley comments or people saying things like, well, because there's this also the thing with fat kids, fat adults around, well, if they can't wear clothes, that will shame them into like weight loss. Is there anything that you're like, glorifying childhood obesity with this business of yours? Has that come up at all? Absolutely. So I made, I think last year, I made, you know, you, you sort of like, while I'm in this in-between, while they're working on my things, I'm like, I have to keep moving things forward. So you pick off all sorts of like things to do. So I set up, I think, a Google entry for the business. So it's like people can find us. It's part of the search that you want to sort of be present for. So I created a business entry for the business. Um, I think it was last year, and I got a one-star review from somebody who said something to the effect of, these kids all just need to go on diets. And so we had no product at this point at <laughs> but all. you have a one-star. <laughs> and I'm like, and the worst part of it was like, and now I have homework because this is so new to me. I don't know how to get this review taken right? down. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, not only are you being terrible, but now I have to go out and Google how to get this review taken off of my business. So yeah, I get a lot of like that whole, these kids just need to lose weight and you know, you're going, it's, you know, they're going to have all these tremendous health challenges and all of that. And it's, it's hard. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm very protective of these children and it's just hard to sort of have that, directed as you know directed at you and i i think we all that sort of live in a space that if, you, if you're fat and live on this planet um you're constantly forced to am i just going to delete it am i going to engage on some level in a polite and educational way am i going to just tell them off what am i going to do this time around um and so I know there's different approaches that people take. I mean, a lot of it I just ignore occasionally. I don't know why. I, I will engage politely occasionally because I feel like sometimes I feel like people just forget that there's human beings on the other end of that thing. That So when you sort of engage, they're like, oh, I'm going to delete this. You know what I mean? Like, it's like I'm trying to just interrupt whatever that stream of, that you've got going where you sort of feel like there's not another person on the other end of that. Um, that doesn't happen very frequently, but every once in a while um, I'll be like, so you don't think I should make clothing so these kids can move their bodies. Is that what you're trying to say? Hi. So is that what you're trying to tell me I should do with these kids that you want to exercise, but I shouldn't make clothes for them. One more time. You want to break that down for me? Yeah. And does anyone, has anyone, do they respond? bond is there uh, sometimes i mean it's the whole like yeah well you know we just it's the whole all of the same arguments that i think that is bad just, blah, blah 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 yeah all the bullshit we've all the stuff we've heard before so i'm yeah. just like yeah i'm a deleter i'm like ugh, you know what if you're gonna write that on my page i'm not interested in talking to you at least ask me a question but don't just say perhaps you should <laughs> i posted something recently about a doctor visit and they were like well, maybe you should try not being so fat. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, delete because these are my accounts and I choose what's on them. Yeah, I just, oh, it's so awful. 
Do you want to hear something funny? I do. I do. <laughs> um, maybe it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm nerd humor, but so I worked with some marketing consulting support as I'm working through the business plan. And it's one of those weird things where I sort of have two groups of people that I talk to because a lot of kids don't buy their own stuff. Their parents are involved. So on some level, I have to engage the team, but I'm also talking to the parent. So I wrote out these, you know, customer profiles and this is my key influencer and all this stuff. And so the marketing um, team that I work with are fantastic. And they're like, well, you also have you know, I'm like this, this awesome parent. I'm thinking of myself, like this is the parent and she's like, this is what her kids do. And they're like, well, what about the unaware parent? I'm like, I was just going to ask you about the parents. Yes. Oh, <laughs> the ones that perhaps like don't know what to do with their plus size child and perhaps are like, you know, doing all the things that parents of plus size children do if they're not very aware. Yeah. It was, it was this moment where I'm like, oh yeah, okay, sure. You mean they're all not like me? What now? <laughs> so I think, you know, it's one of those things where when we're what made me think of it is you were talking about engaging and choosing when and where to engage. And I think it just made me think in my head, well, if there's any community that I am going to try and engage with, it's people that actually have plus size kids and that maybe are not in the same sort of headspace as me. In an effort to sort of ask them to maybe listen more and say less and try to like tune into what's going on with their own kid. And, you know, I think for anyone that's been, you know, fat for most of their life, we all can tell you a story about a, a comment made from a family member. And a lot of time it's a parent. And I'm like, listen to other fat people tell you why they still carry that today. And I remember some of the comments that were made by strangers, but not so much as the ones that were made by people that were close to me. And so trying to get them, like you don't always, we may not always agree on everything and maybe it, it's not going to get you to that space. But what I am going to try to ask you to do is maybe neutralize a little bit and, and talk less and listen to your kid more and try to come from that space. And yeah. that I mean, that makes me think that this, there's a real... That's just, that's a pretty overt social mission as well. Like even hearing you say that, like that is, I want to change minds and hearts in order to support the kids in their bodies. Yeah. How <laughs> I'm like, how are you going to do that? <laughs> Please. <laughs> I mean, I think the first part for me is just getting these kids to keep doing the things that they love. My first and foremost goal is always around the health and safety of these children and that staying connected and staying connected to things that they love and kids that they are friends with that's sort of the first piece of this and then i think you know when you can start to see your kid continue to be successful and thriving and the body's not getting smaller and part of it's just like piece it together i used to do the same warm-ups and the same practices and the same games as all my teammates. I didn't eat extraordinarily differently from my teammates. We all went to the same sub shop before away games that we take the stuff on the bus. You know what I mean? Like I was not eating that differently from my sisters who were both straight size. You know, I'm just like, start piecing it all together. This kid is out there doing these things and they love it and it's good for them, but their body is just what it is. And so part of it is there's no better sort of example than just seeing that for yourself. And and that's not only for parents, but I think, you know, if we're going to move the needle for this next generation, you need to see kids the same age as you doing these things. And you're like, oh, they come to the same practices as me and come to the same games as me, you know, and we all eat lunch together and they eat like me and this is what their body looks like, right? And so it's, it's always going to be about the plus size kids first, but it's then just the fact that I can get them to a place where they are more comfortable and connected, just that increase in visibility, I think is going to start to impact others. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I hope, I, I, I hope, I hope, I hope, and I wish, I wish, I wish that it does. It, it needs to, it has to. I mean, yeah, I can really feel your heart in everything you're saying. Thank you. And all I can think right now before, you know, all of this came together is we can do so much work around 
how we talk to our kids and, you know, how we engage and how we try to move the needle on how they see themselves. But there's nothing you can do if at the end of the day, all the messaging we're giving is there's nothing wrong with your body and they are left with, then why doesn't anybody make clothing for me? We're lying. We're being hypocritical then. Because no one... You know what I mean? And we could talk about capitalism and that whole thing and try to bring it from that lens, but that's a very stark, clear answer for most kids. And so that's why I don't give up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, I'm so excited for this to launch. I'm so excited for those clothes to get out and be worn. Yeah. And and the expansion of your business is going to be brilliant, Pam. I think there. this is I mean, I am not uh, an expert in this industry, although I will say for about six months, a friend and I were, were starting, we actually even like pitched at a couple of incubators um, to make a plus size dress clothing line because we were so frustrated at, especially here in Canada, not finding, we only have basically two brick and mortar plus size stores and they're both kind of expensive and they're very, um, they do not allow for full fashion choice in terms of like style style thank you yeah <laughs> so my friend and I were like we're gonna change it and then yeah and then we got we were like oh fashion's a whole thing like it's a whole other thing and we would have had to like probably quit our jobs and like to to do it it's yeah so even as you're talking I'm like oh yeah yeah I remember <laughs> the complexities and that was adults Yeah, that was adult. And I will also say the other thing that I'm also sort of trapped in the middle of is sort of the terrible model of the industry, which is to generate all this stuff and make these large volume buys. And then you have all this stuff that no one bought or no one wants. And it's just the waste and the environmental impact. So it's also, how can we do this small batch, but also make it affordable because I'm doing it kids. It's really, really, it's complex, but I think that's the other reason it's taking a while, but I'm trying to sort of, I'm cutting a new path in a lot of ways and it's, it's, it's slow and, but yeah, it's, it's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Slow and meaningful though. I mean, I think it's very interesting. I've seen, I wonder if you've seen this too, but I've seen a real trend especially around kind of like anti-racist business practices, businesses that are focusing on being feminist and anti-capitalist. And like there is a slowing down because that is what's required in order to make more considered choices for things like suppliers and how do we not just have more fast fashion and how do we, you know, like it's a lot to balance and it takes time to think through a lot of those choices. So I don't know. For what it's worth, I think it, it makes sense that it's taking time. And I love that you're thinking through all of it because it, it really matters what you're doing. And you get to create a model for others. So hopefully starting a revolution, Pam. <laughs> In my spare time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so I'm going to share your website for sure. Is there anything else that you want people to know about what you're doing or where you'll be? Are you going to like, I don't know, do they have conventions? I don't even know. Like, is there anything else that we should, that the people listening should know about what you're doing? You're so funny. I will tell one more story because people often wonder about the name because it's a little unusual. And I think one of the challenging things when you're trying to name a business is that you also have to it has to be in indicative of the business you want, but let's be real, like brass tacks, you need to have a URL. And like every English word <laughs> under the sun and every spelling of every word is basically taken. So there was a lot of journaling um, when I was trying to come up with a name. And the word, the name comes from the word embrace. Oh, yeah. <sighs> cool. Because I was, you know, just sort of thinking through what is this, what is this brand about? What am I about? And it's about embracing these kids. And that's sort of where the name comes from. So. Oh, I love that. And so you broke it into Ember and Ace. Yes. Which I, it's interesting. I kind of thought I took it as like maybe the names of two kids or I don't know, something. I think I made up. No, I mean, and a lot of people wonder and it does work as names like, and it has like a, a mixed energy about it. There's feminine and masculine energy in it, if you ask me. So anyway. 
but no, it was just one of those things where I'm like, I had like, I don't know, a, a moment. Yeah. Embrace.com isn't there, but Ember and Ace. <laughs> and I'm like, I can spell those words. It's like people would expect them to be spelled. It's winning all around. So anyway, it just sort of worked. The second I said it, I'm like, you should have seen how fast I'm like, Emberandace.com. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I have never <laughs> bought a donation meme so fast in my whole life. <laughs> yes, yeah, so good. I'm so glad it was available. Oh, the heartbreak if it went to bed. Can you imagine? I would have been like, I'm, that's it. I'm done. I don't know where to go from here. I really wanted fatjoy.com. And uh, but and it, it was available, but it's one of those ones that's been bought by some. They parked it. Yes, they won like $3,000. I'm like, okay, well, screw you. So it became fatjoy.life. I just chose a different end. And I was like, actually, I like the dot life. I didn't even know that was an option. So I'm like, you know what? That's just what it's going to be. Um, so Pam, let's talk about joy. You've had so much going on. <laughs> How have you stayed connected to your own joy? I've done a mixed bag of success. We will be, I will be honest. Um, it's hard. I do have two dogs and they can reset you faster. I mean, obviously my daughter does as well, but I think the dogs are just like, yeah, I just love you. Come yeah. sit with me. It's like buckets of love. I just, I've been a year without my girl and every day I'm like, oh, I miss that just ever present love. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be having a rough day and they're just the tail starts and you're like, all right. <laughs> You just smell a Dorito paw. It's like, oh, there it is. There's the love. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's simple. It's finding little stuff. And I try to get outside and just walk. Well, you're in a good area for that, right? Do you say you're in San, are you in San Francisco? Yeah, I'm, we're just north of San Francisco, so we're up in Marin County. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of really nice um, open space here. And even just, like, it doesn't even have to be that fancy. Like I don't have to go out and like find a trail with redwoods. Even just like getting out and walking in the neighborhood is just sort such a reset for me. So yeah, <laughs> like when I have face, my husband's like, "Do you want to go for a walk?" When you have face, <laughs> like I was like, he's like, "You have face," and I'm yeah. like, "In my house, that means <laughs> I like probably got a wrinkle right here between my eyes." Oh my god, I'm gonna start using that. I'm gonna say to my husband, um, I think you've got face right now. You got face. <laughs> you got so face. we need to, do you need it's for me, it's like food, water, get outside. Right. <laughs> Go play with the dog. <laughs> like cycle through those four things and you're probably yeah. gonna do great. Right. <laughs> uh <laughs> that's great. That's great. You got face. Um, amazing. Well, Pam, it has been really, really wonderful to talk to you. I'm so excited for your business. I'm definitely going to share as much as I can. Um, it'd be lovely to have you back maybe a couple months down the line when you're getting feedback from people and maybe you've got pictures of kids playing in your, you know, in their clothing. And yeah, I'm so, I'm so excited to track um, how this grows and the impact that you're going to have on both kids and their families, kids and their families. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, Pam. Thank you. Before we go, I'd like to read a poem because poetry can reach our hearts in a different way. Poems can have us feel in a different way. And that's what this podcast is all about, expanding our hearts, deepening our empathy, and inviting in joy. So each week, you get a new poem. Pam Luck is determined to keep children thriving in the sports they choose and not having to quit because there isn't clothing that fits them, which I think is incredible. It is inspiring. It is necessary. You know, when we're kids, how about we get to just be kids? There's so many things that get oh, interrupted in our childhood, especially if children are moving through childhood in bigger bodies. So Pam's desire to help kids stay connected to the activities that they thrive in is incredibly inspiring to me. And I think as a bigger goal, staying connected to our bodies as we navigate those early years between teen and teen, tween and teen, I should say. It's just, it's so important 
these years are so fraught anyway. The last thing we need is not being able to have clothing to do the activities we love. So in that vein of kind of staying connected to that feeling of childhood, this poem by Danusha Lamaris always connects me back to lying on my belly in green grass and watching the bugs move through their tiny world. And it's called The Bugs of Childhood. Don't you remember them? The furred legs of a caterpillar moving along your arm, each follicle prickling beneath their touch. The crumpling of a ladybug's underwings as it tucked them back beneath its glossy shell. The butterfly on your finger unfurling its long spiral tongue. Rows and rows of ants hefting their white eggs. The fly's head bowed, antenna bent under the careful work of four legs as it bathed its large composite eye. One, no bigger than a speck, left tufts of foam in your palm, another a pool of green. Some rolled themselves into a pill-shaped ball at the slightest touch, while others, no matter how you tried, refused. What was it about the workings of their small bodies, the click of the mandibles or the steady pulse of the thorax, so nipped at the center it seemed tied with string? Almost electric, the way they zipped through the grass, sunlight caught in iridescence. Remember? How the dirt glinted and shimmered, how the blind earth once writhed, alive in your hands. Thank you for joining me today. My hope is that you're feeling a little less alone and a little more seen. So until the next episode, you can find me on Instagram at fatjoy.life, on YouTube at youtube.com slash at fatjoy, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash fatjoy. Please do check out the show notes for how you can connect with my amazing guest and for the links to the poem. All right, lovely. I am sending you off with my best wishes for an abundantly fat joy day. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.